Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, we always laugh when we hear an older couple say, marriage didn't fix our problems, it actually just made them bigger. And uh, we laugh at that because it's true, but we know that our marriages don't need to be identified by our problems, but rather they can be identified by the help that God gives us to actually have marriages that are flourishing and that work through problems. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the book of the Song of Solomon and Pastor Nate's going to talk us through how we can really fight for our marriages. Let's go back to the basics. You've got a man and a woman coming together and and being in a committed covenantal you know, relationship. So really at all times, whether she's thinking about it or whether she isn't thinking about it, it's important for him, the husband, to be thinking about it because he's called by God to be the leader inside of his home. Nate, I, I know that you're a, a bit of a like old school R&B fan. What's like your top, do you have a top favorite just love song? You uh, got any kind of on the iPod playlist right now? Oh man, I, that just feels so inappropriate. <laughs> I can't believe you asked me that. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, with I these opening questions, you, you know, you come right up next to the line. We got to go there, man. But then... You crossed the line, and that was it. You just crossed the line. It's none of your business. We're not. Man. We're not diving into your interests. No old school R and B. No, I. Uh, what, what was I singing? The I was, I, I was singing a boys to men song the other day. I knew it had to be boys to men. Oh yeah, man. I mean, who wouldn't? They're legend. Wait, wait. What was the first the song that you and Christina danced to at your wedding? Do you remember the name of that song? Oh yeah. Well, there was. Uh, I. I. Uh, our our first dance yeah was i think unforgettable mm. yeah but uh the i forget who sings that i should know it i, I don't know <laughs> it, or no it was a sinatra song i can't remember oh yeah classic. but i do remember the last song oh last yeah, song it was That's the last song. song yeah it was called let's chill That's right let's chill by guy <laughs> <laughs> oh, if man. you are listening to this and you so haven't checked good out that song pause oh yeah gotta go listen right now i mean i feel like it should be the it should be the intro music to the jesus famous podcast (laughs) let's chill (laughs) i remember hearing that in high school and you were my high school pastor i was like dude what is this song i requested it at a high school dance one time but nobody knew what it was like what song are you even talking about yeah oh yeah it was already that was a deep yeah deep deep cut yeah deep cut Oh, man. In this article, Nate, called Marriage's Little Foxes, you talk about the Song of Solomon being the greatest love song ever written. It's a long one, too. And um, we've done a few articles about the Song of Solomon, but I'm just thinking that maybe somebody's jumping into the podcast feed, hasn't heard what the Song of Solomon is, or maybe has flipped through their Bible and seen this book and read a little bit of it and got kind of confused. Can you just give us just a little snapshot? What is the Song of Solomon all about? It's about a relationship between a man and a woman, a okay. man named Solomon and a woman that we don't know her name. And uh, 
there are questions of how to interpret it or what it okay. actually means. The church for or big portions of the church for a long period of time have tried to spiritualize it because mm. it's just so dang uncomfortable for a lot of people because yeah. there is some explicit content in it. It, it gets stuff. into the actual sexual relationship mm -hmm. between this couple. So there's an attempt to spiritualize it. Frankly, for me, the spiritualization of the text makes it even more awkward because the conclusions that you have to come to about this being some kind of image of God and his relationship mm. with us, it's just that's terrible. Yeah. So I have rejected that interpretation with lots of people in the modern yeah. church. Uh, again, it's not some kind of like, and, and there have been people historically who have held the the view that, yeah. that uh, many people are holding today. It's, it's always been around. It's just that there was kind of this popular growing thought that like, mm. oh, this is an allegory for God's totally. love for Israel. Totally. Uh, but uh, I think another reason why sometimes that interpretive challenge comes about is because we know that Solomon was terrible. You know, he mm. came to a point where he had... He multiplied so many wives yeah. and concubines for himself. He just had this massive harem as the prosperous king of Israel that it's hard for us to respect a love song that he wrote mm. to this and about this one woman. Uh, and then there's the question of when would he have written this? You know, when yeah. in his time as the king of Israel, his 40 years as the king of Israel, would he have penned something like this? Was this his younger years, older years? And the idea is, if he wrote this when he was older, how can you have any respect for it? Because you know mm. everything that he was getting into at that yeah, time of his right. life. So there, some people have the idea he wrote this earlier in life. Uh, some people have the idea that he wrote this once he got lucidity about the stupidity of mm. his sin for so many years. And so it's, it's him writing a song kind of saying like, this is what I should have been about. Yeah. This is what is possible. This is what could be, but mm -hmm. I didn't live it out. I tend to think it was something that happened earlier in his life, and mm -hmm. then he strayed from it as yeah. the years went by. All that said, he was moved along by the Holy Spirit to write down, I think, what could have been mm -hmm. had he maintained and stuck with wow. his you know, integrity and yeah. walk with the Lord because his, as King, he began really well. He, he, you know, he was walking with the Lord and everything, but yeah. as the years went by, his heart was swayed mm -hmm. and he gave in to the, uh, women of other nations and their false gods and, you know, ended poorly. Yeah. So my guess would be that he wrote this earlier in life. He was doing well, but then abandoned his walk with the Lord and, got into error as the years went by. So trying to push all that aside and just saying, no, this is here. You've got this guy who forgetting all of that, he is writing about a beautiful romantic relationship mm -hmm. in the early Jewish community. They received this yeah. as an incredible picture of marital yeah. love. And so what the way the song goes, the eight chapters go is that it, it seems like the way it reads is, You've got a few chapters of pre-marriage dating, mm -hmm. 
although they didn't date, you know, but yeah, courtship, right. engagement, betrothal kind mm-hmm. of period. Then you have the wedding ceremony and initial days of marriage. And then at the end of the book, you have uh, a mature marriage and like and and part of the reason that you can see that through the book is because the physical descriptions that they have for each other Mm. and the physical activity they get into with each other it follows that trajectory it starts out as more surface and Mm -hmm. basic and they're not engaged sexually they're not touching each other in that kind of way but then as the song progresses it gets very personal yeah very private it's fun to see churches squirm a little bit in this seat <laughs> yeah. as you're reading verses that are found in the Song of Solomon because it becomes more intense, more mature, more, yeah. uh, more uh, knowledge. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the biblical Old Testament word for sex. You know, so and so knew so and so, and the idea in the Song of Solomon is that knowledge is ever increasing as this couple enjoys yeah. each other. Not just maritally, but romantic. Yeah, you can tell. Uh, romantically in, in a marital sense. Yeah, that's really fascinating. If you're listening to this right now, Pastor Nate went through the whole book of Song of Solomon in a series that we have online at calvary.com if you want to pick that up and learn a little bit more about this book. Um, but today we're talking about kind of a unique moment, I guess probably a series of moments in their relationship um, about just different like things that just come up that would like to distract the couple from being intimate, from getting to know each other more. The article is called Marriage's Little Foxes. And um, the idea here being that there are these little foxes that are getting into their garden and causing trouble and that being a metaphor for things that were going on in their relationship. Mm-hmm. The woman wanted Solomon uh, to take care of those things. Catch take, the foxes, that's right. man. <laughs> Catch them before they get out of control and ruin everything. So, Nate, you mentioned a few things in this article. We can go through the three points. But the first one is don't be oblivious to problems in the relationship. So, you know, it can be easy to think that if there's any arguments or disagreements or fights in a marriage or relationship, that 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 relationship is doomed. But it seems like what you're saying in the article is that those kinds of things that come up, those pressure points almost are just indicative that you're in a relationship with a real person. Um, but how can we as Christian spouses face the difficulties of those maybe inevitable marital problems, things that pop up in life, while maintaining a sense of hope for marriage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I said in the article was, it's crucial for a couple to have a bit of honesty That's about right. issues in their relationship. Many seem to want to put a nice Instagram filter on everything Imagining a healthy relationship is one without any conflict whatsoever. But the belief healthy relationships are void of conflict is a lie. Do not allow yourself to think of problems as evidence your relationship is somehow doomed. If you do, you might intentionally downplay issues you shouldn't, all in an attempt to keep the peace, ignore the obvious, and delay the inevitable. Hmm. So, um, yeah, you know. In a, in a, in marriage, what, let's go back to the basics. You've yeah. got a man and a woman coming together and and being in a committed covenantal, you know, relationship together. They're going to live life face to face, side by side, back to back, moving forward together in life. They are so radically different from each other, and they are both sinners. 
hopefully as Christians, right. if they are believers, then they are saved by grace. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that they are glorified and perfect. God is trying to sanctify and shape Amen. them. Yeah. And part of the way he's going to sanctify and shape them is through the marriage. And there are going to be things that are confronted and mm-hmm. selfish uh, philosophies that are you know, revealed and tendencies yeah. that need to be dealt with that will be exacerbated, stirred up because of the marriage. Yeah. You know, so the idea that somehow problems in a marriage are, um, you know, should not be, it's your, it's just a fantasy Yeah, that, that totally. you know, keep looking for that leprechaun and that unicorn because that is not actually possible inside a marriage to have a problem free or conflict free or um, issue less experience Uh, no there are going to be problems that Mm. come up in the relationship it's just what do you do when they come totally so you get some people that um, you know the idea of any kind of difficulty or conflict it's just so hard for them to even imagine that it just explodes their concept of Mm -hmm. what romance should be like and look like. Mm -hmm. And so they try to just ignore it, you Mm -hmm. know, like, okay, let's just pretend like it doesn't exist or they work overtime. They're kind of like the peacekeeper person, you know, to try to keep the peace Mm -hmm. and, uh, or just stuff it and delay it Mm -hmm. and try to put it off. But, you know, that will create a mounting problem that c- causes the the issue to explode mm. onto the scene in an ugly kind of way. So mm. the way I say it in the article is the best way to deal with problems is at the beginning, you know, when they're small. Because if you don't, they just kind of grow and grow and grow. Totally. You know, if somebody's, if, uh, you know, let's say a problem in the marriage is that the guy just likes to just get on his phone and just kind of be in his own little world, his own little universe. Like if that isn't dealt with for 30 years, it's going to be really tough at year 30 to make that the thing that is dealt with. Because by that time he will have accumulated so much. It'll be such a deep rut pattern in his life. It'll be such a shock to the system to try to get Mm. out of that. But in those early days, that can be a better time to say, Hey, you know, this is a problem. I, I want to have a relationship with you. I'm mm. trying to, you know, be with you and I love you. And there you are, you know, you're on your phone. You're not talking with me. Mm. Can we talk? Can we spend time together? You know, that kind of thing. I think it's better to deal with it at that time. And Amen. hopefully there's some receptivity to something like that, but uh, it's better to deal with the problems when they're small. But, and that's part of, I think, for me, why she's the one, it seems, asking Solomon, hey, yeah. you need to set the lead, the the tone here. You need to go mm-hmm. catch these foxes. I need you to deal with yeah. this because, you know, she's ready. I hate to speak in generalities, but generally speaking, the wife is the one thinking about the quality of the marriage. Mm-hmm. How are we doing? Are things healthy? Uh, where do we need to grow? Where are we lacking? You know, things like that. There are exceptions to that general rule yeah. in different marriages. And then there's also exceptions in seasons yeah. in marriage and life. A lot of times uh, a wife who maybe 
Usually it would be the one thinking about the quality of their relationship and marriage. Sometimes when children come onto the mm. scene, she'll stop thinking about the quality of the marriage oh, and yeah. relationship and start thinking about the quality of the parenting and are we giving this child everything mm. that they need. And this is why it's really important during the whole marriage for the husband to be engaged in himself thinking about the quality of the marriage and the Mm -hmm. quality of the relationship. Because during the times that she is thinking about it, if he isn't, then it creates conflict. And then during the times that she isn't thinking about it, if he isn't, Mm -hmm. then man, it just really devolves into a non-relational coexistence. Yeah. So really at all times, whether she's thinking about it or whether she isn't thinking about it, it's important for him, the husband, to be thinking about it because he's called by God to be the leader inside of his home. So I think this is a really big part of why, you know, that it was important for her to go to Solomon and say, hey, look, there's these small foxes in our vineyard. Deal with them. Hey, just want to take a quick second to remind you about what's going on at nateholders.com this week. Uh, Pastor Nate just released an article called Jesus Can Help You Obey God. And this is taken straight from the book of Hebrews, where the author writes about how Jesus, you know, endured the difficulty of obeying God to go to the cross. And he did it with perfect submission to God's authority. But it's also just through that perfect submission that Jesus now gives us the power to submit to God. So I don't know where you're at this week. I don't know if you've been having a difficult time submitting to God's authority, if you've already failed in being obedient to God. Wherever you've been this week, you need to know that Jesus is with you. He stands in solidarity with you in the struggle to obey. And in his perfect power, he gives you power to overcome the temptations and the difficulties of this life so that you can offer your body in perfect sacrifice to the Lord. So we hope that's encouraging to you this week and that whatever you're going through, man, that you find strength to keep moving forward and to take steps of faith in the right direction. So when you get done with this episode, check it out. But for now, let's get back into the conversation. For sure. And you talked about um, dealing with problems when they're small. I had a question about that. You know, um, I know for some of us, it's hard to want to dive into addressing a problem. It's never very like, comfortable to do that. <laughs> and um, I think for me, some of us, we have a hard time knowing like, oh, is it, this is like, a, I have like a weird beef with this in my marriage, but it, it is like small. Maybe I'll just let it pass and I'll have like maybe some kind of personal victory or something over it and we'll just kind of keep the peace or something but and I wanted to ask you know are there times when there are small problems that's just like yeah I don't need to bring it up like it's just it's gonna make things weird and I don't need to get into that or is it just like no this is my spouse if, if something's like upsetting me or if if my spouse is upset with me I want them to bring it up to me is there that should there be that attitude of just like whenever there's something that could cause a rift just deal with it or do you kind of go with the mindset of having some kind of personal victories made between you and the Lord mm-hmm. in marriage? Yeah. Does that so make sense? If the question is, is it possible that I could be so petty 
that I have a beef that is just so stupid that I should let it go. Yeah. Is that possible? Yes, that is possible. That is possible with all of us, you know, that there could be something that is just so not worth Hmm. being upset about that it just bugs us and we need to get over it. But what I've found, Riley, is that usually those things don't go away by themselves. In other words, it's not just through me having a personal revelation, like, that's stupid. Why am I thinking about that? That's, yeah. that's, I'm being too picky. I'm being too, mm. usually I don't come to that conclusion by myself, but it's through conversation yeah. and talking about it that sometimes that revelation comes and, and I'll realize, oh yeah, that's, this actually isn't an important thing. Yeah. Just saying it out loud sometimes it's like a you're hearing it in your it's own so ears true. and you realize, I cannot believe that this is something that I actually am saying out loud right now yeah. that I am that I want or it that I think is important, you know, or I'm being yeah. way too heated about this or the, mm. the level of zeal that I'm putting, you know, to this is just too much. Mm. So so if that's a question, then, yeah, you know, that's possible. But um you know, Christina and I, we've always tried to have the the attitude of, you know, the Ephesians um, 4 perspective, you know, don't let the sun go down yeah. on your wrath, you know. Mm-hmm. So we've always tried to have a perspective that as much as is possible, we're going to try to go to bed at peace with wow, each yeah. other. But that doesn't mean that we're going to bed with resolution hmm. all the time over something that we're in conflict or disagreement or working through. Um, It's just that we want each other to know, like, I love you. I'm sorry for the, you know, maybe the tone that I spoke with or I got angry there, you know, or whatever, Mm -hmm. like that needs to be dealt with. But that doesn't mean that the underlying issue that caused the conflict in the first place isn't, is automatically dealt with. Right. So for us, we've tried to always make sure that we go to bed without that anger and wrath, Mm. you know, with each other. And then secondly, we've always tried to create some space from the moment of conflict to the moment of actually working through resolution. So, you know, sometimes in that moment of like, I'm upset. I, I'm, I, I, this is bothering me. Sometimes that's the worst time to actually constructively talk about, here's what I've seen. Here's what's going on. Here's how this is coming across to me. This is where I'd like to see things change. It's so hard to talk about that reasonably when in the moment you're feeling offended, embarrassed, hurt, or, you know, whatever it might be. So what we try to do is to give space and it, it's, not like we do this like intentionally, like, okay, we're going to take 24 hours and separate ourselves from this or anything like that. It's just that because we both read the Bible and pray every morning, Mm -hmm. that's just a regular part of our rhythm Mm -hmm. to kind of give a little bit of space and breathing room to think about things, to prepare, to actually talk about it together. But we don't want to let it fester. We like to actually get into it and talk about it. Yeah, that's good. And that kind of goes on to the last thing that you mentioned here in the article. We can kind of land with this, Nate. You said that smaller issues um, can frustrate a marriage. And you actually have this 
list um, of different things that can kind of frustrate. I can't a believe marriage. I didn't number them. Now that I'm looking at this <laughs> list, there's like ten. I things think I didn't. Have, I felt like it wasn't comprehensive, so that's probably why mm-hmm. I didn't list it. It was just like a shotgun. Yeah, here's some things. Yeah, I mean it's helpful to read through. I think the thing I kind of came away with after reading that was just that marriage can just be attacked on all sides. <laughs> there's just mm-hmm. so many things I think that the enemy would love to distract us with, hurt us with, things that we do with ourselves that can hurt the other person. I was just thinking about, you know, just kind of preparing for this conversation. I'm just thinking there's somebody listening to this right now who is in a marriage and there's different things that are going on in their marriage. You know, some of the things you mentioned in this list are jealousy, greed, miscommunication, etc. And maybe somebody's going through not just one, but like a, a lot of those things right now in their marriage. And I thought maybe we could just talk about this for a moment. Where should somebody start in their marriage to bring about maybe some healing, to kind of find those foxes, as we would say here? Um, should we address all those things at once or take one thing at a time? Or what, what do you think about that? Where do you start to kind of bring healing to a marriage that's gone through some of these different frustrations from this big old list that I threw out the there. honker man oh yeah well I mean just looking at the list I had communication role responsibilities handling finances sexual agreement yeah so in other words you're on the same page about like you know just just talking about sex mm-hmm. together you know and what you like what you don't like but also just your past your history yeah. And then just what your expectations and desires are there. Um, Family challenges. So like, you know, extended family and the pressure they're putting on you, you Mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. Trials, you know, the stuff that comes out during trials. Trust level, condemning guilt, jealousy, selfishness. If I had to look at all that list, I I hate to be cliche about it, but I think I'd start with communication Hmm. because... If you are unable to really turn to each other and love each other by talking with each other, opening up your hearts to each other, um, caring what the other yeah. person thinks, if you mm-hmm. can't do that, then it's going to be really hard to, for instance, talk about handling finances yeah, well totally. together because you're just going to be at odds together. So I think you, you need to really work on getting on the same team mm-hmm. when you're talking to each other. We, we want the same thing. We want marital success. I love you. I care about you. So I think that's a good one. The enemy loves to break down our communication with, you know, whether it's anger or embarrassment, shame, guilt, whatever. He likes to cut that off. It's a great way to divide and conquer. Thanks for tuning in today. If you'd like to hear some more content from Pastor Nate, please subscribe to the Jesus Famous Podcast. Each week, we'll be posting conversations just like the one you just heard, as well as some live readings that Pastor Nate is posting a couple times a week. For any more articles, books, or resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com. Catch you next week.